Welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with two very special guests. They are actually repeat guests. Their first episode with grief or our first episode with grief posted last week that you can check out, but they are now back for part two. And just to kind of reintroduce these ladies, we have Alana Yadav and Kim Hanlon. They're grief advocates and advanced certified grief recovery specialists fueled by their own personal loss experiences. They co-founded Yadav and Hanlon or Hanlon Grief Support out of a shared passion for offering individual grief support and enhancing corporate wellness programs to support employees around loss and life changes. This is going to be a three-part series. Part one, we dived into what is grief and um, the different quote-unquote, if there are stages of grief, the misconceptions of what we think we should do when we grieve, and now we're moving into the motherhood space. So welcome, ladies. How are you today? I'm good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, let's dive into it. So um, as I said, in the first episode, we discussed what is grief, misconceptions, you know, how grief doesn't look like the same to everybody, and it can mean different things to different people. Now I want to discuss grief in motherhood. Um, And I know there's a lot to tackle there. But the first part I want to explain is grieving our past identities. I um, became familiar with this because I grieved and didn't realize I was grieving my own prior identity, my career identity, and all of those things until having a child. Once I had a child and I was like angry for certain things, especially still probably like the first year, because I had dealt with loss, I have been divorced before. I said, oh, this is a lot like grieving something like I'm missing what used to be I'm like why don't we talk about this can you explain and maybe Kim if you want to take the first shot at this of what it means to grieve our our identity and motherhood and what that may look like to to certain moms that can show up in what forms basically definitely well it can come up in many different ways for different people and you know just to remind people who listened last week or haven't had a chance yet you know, grieve, we grieve things that are different from before. So changes or ends of a familiar pattern of behavior. And clearly there are many changes when we become a parent. So that can be, like you said, your career. Um, and even if you don't change jobs or leave work, you know, as many choose to do, how you show up at work, how you're perceived at work, And your ability to engage on a different level, you know, maybe you have to leave at a very strict time to pick up your child from childcare when you used to work late hours. All of these things can contribute to our changed identity. And I appreciate that you noted that for yourself, it was an ongoing process for at least a year. And as you were sharing, I was realizing that you know, there were some ebbs and flows to my own experience with that. My son's six and a half. And even recently, I was 
wishing that I could keep up and be as productive as I was before having a, a child. Um, and things are way different now than when he was a baby. I can do so much more now that he's in school and more independent and it still does not compare at all to <laughs> the corporate world when I was also in grad yeah. school and planning a wedding. And she's like, I can't even imagine doing those things now. Alana, before you jump in, because I have a, I, I want you to answer, and then I have a question for you to piggyback off of it. Can I ask, what do you think it is? Do you think it's, you know, what? Why do you think it's so hard, or why do you think moms sometimes have that? Do you think it's because we do change and we don't prepare ourselves enough for the big change that will come. I think a lot of times because we see these highlight reels on social media, so we think everything looks the same and they look happy and everything's going as is. Um, so maybe speak on that a little bit or why you feel we kind of have a difficulty with that with and, and why the grief shows up so hard. <laughs> right. Uh, I, some of those examples you gave were great. You know, what we're seeing in social media and, you know, just, of course, we see usually people's highlights of their life in social media. You know, we don't see that, you know, we tidy just what shows up behind us in the picture and the rest of the house is a disaster or something. Um, but also, as you mentioned earlier, we don't talk about this enough. And so it's hard to really fully know what motherhood is going to be about. And, you know, I'll let Alana share, but she and I talk a lot about the conversations we had before she had her baby, um, her child's younger than mine, um, and the conversations we had about what that could look like. And really, none of us can really prepare completely, but ha having the opportunity to talk about it and letting it be okay to say we're struggling, mm -hmm. which is more acceptable now, and at the same time, People say, well, you have this healthy baby or will you have a baby? You know, many people struggle to get pregnant. And that, while that's true, you know, we're still able to have so these conflicting feelings. For it. Right. Alana, why don't you jump in? So maybe speak a little bit of what that identity crisis was like for you um, before then I kind of ask a piggyback question to it. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of still in it now because my daughter's turning two in a few weeks and I'm about to have my second daughter, hopefully not for another month and a half. And so I feel like I am honestly still in the thick of the whole identity crisis, figuring out what's going on. But I think really one of the hardest things is, is it, you know, as a, as a, as a mom, it really does change everything, change your value, change your focus, change what's near and dear to you, change what, um, you know, what you'll be willing to tolerate and also changes relationships with everyone. You know, whereas I, I will admit, I love going out, going to bars. And now the thought of being out past nine is, seems a little bit like, a, I'm like, oh, how did I used to stay out till like three in the morning? You know, and so it changes relationships, especially with friends that don't have kids or friends that are single or don't want yes. kids by choice. And I know when I had when I had my daughter, certain certain friends backed away. You know, I actually had not a close friend, but a friend say, When you have kids, we're not gonna be friends anymore. 
needless to say, that was the last time we actually hung out because, um, but I appreciate the candor. And so it just, it really changes because you can't just be like, Ooh, let's go see this movie on a whim, you know, or when friends are like, come to San Francisco and meet for dinner. Like, well, I have to, I have to make sure someone can stay with my child. And so, and then with work as well, you know, as Kim was describing so eloquently, I used to be able to work the hours I wanted, you know, take a nap, start whatever. And now <laughs> I am totally beholden to a very opinionated, almost two-year-old who is hard. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, but I think also, you know, it's, it's the biggest blessing in the world and it is the biggest, biggest challenge in the entire world. And I think that whole, like Kim and I talk about this all the time, the duality of emotions that being a mom is the most amazing experience I've ever had in my entire life. And it is also the single most hardest experience that just keeps going. You know, I never thought I could love something so much and also want to hide in the bathroom from it at the same time. Yeah. Or, or wish for bedtime, How right? I know for me, that's like my saving grace. And it's like, I'm counting down. And my husband knows like between before he was like pushing to 9930. And I'm like, no, 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 we need to we need to back this up. So now it's like 8830. He's on break Thanksgiving break, even though he's only five from preschool. So nine o'clock has been the latest, but my husband knows he sees it in my eyes. I'm like, if he's not in bed between eight and 830, oh, there's going to be a problem. Like I need that time because I was realizing I needed an, an, an hour after to kind of like decompress. So I'm going to ask you, Alana, what things have you, because you're still in the thick of it. Truthfully, my son is five. I think I still, I still have moments of it. Um, what has helped you kind of guide you through and say, okay, how am I going to deal with this without resenting my child? I'm sure that can come up. I think sometimes it can come up when we have what we call the mom rage. I think sometimes I'm like, why am I so angry at this little person when we're not really angry at them? And it's maybe the overall thing. What things or tips can you give to moms that are listening to this that are in the thick of it still like, oh, do I know is it going to get better? Like what, what can you tell them? And then Kim, you can jump in as well and offer some tips after. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I get most angry at my husband. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, yeah. You know, my daughter throws something on the floor, and I'm like, "Why didn't you catch that?" You know, um, I think, honestly, I think the biggest piece that has been most helpful for me is that that rage and that anger is normal. Like feeling really angry at my husband. I remember the first six weeks we brought our daughter home, and we were both so tired. Like, didn't know what we were doing. Going through like ten swaddles a night. You know, and we had this little tiny preemie who were like, how are you doing 40 loads of laundry? And I was so yeah. angry at him and I was so tired. And my thought was, how do people have more kids after this? I don't even want to be in the same room as him, <laughs> you know? And I didn't know that was normal. Like, I didn't know it was normal yes. to like, to be angry at him. I didn't know it was normal that your body takes a long time to heal, that there are things, you know, I... There's just a lot of things I had no idea about, but one of the most helpful things for me was knowing that it's totally normal to be mad at your husband. It's totally normal to have all of these emotions and it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. You know, I'm like, am I getting divorced? You know, like, and I mean, not to say yes. people don't, but for me, I just had all of these hormones and I didn't know what I needed to advocate for what I needed 
like I didn't really there's so many things I know now that I'm, I'm sure I'm gonna find new things this time around <laughs> but I, I think honestly like the single best thing for me was just knowing that there's all these emotions and mm-hmm. once you get a good night's sleep the whole world is a lot more beautiful and but it's yes. it's non-linear right so you have every season brings some new challenge like now that my daughter's walking it's a whole new well game you know and but it's so important to know that these strong feelings are okay and not to push them down because when we push them down then there's that way that they can just erupt even more but to accept it like I'm really mad right now I need a five minute breather and that's okay I'm gonna go lock myself in the bathroom for five minutes and play on my phone and that's okay. And I kind of wish I wasn't so hard on myself because I was like constantly beating myself up. Like you're not doing this right. And you know, you're not being a good mom and being a good wife. And uh, as long as you're doing your best and it's not always going to be pretty and definitely not always going to be pretty, but that's okay. Like as long as it's coming from a place of love and kind, you know, just a place of love and genuineness. I think that's really the biggest thing that has, I know, helped me immensely and I hope can help people listening to this too. Awesome. Kim, what about you? Definitely, you know, Alana and I share what, you know, what she was just speaking to about how helpful it is to normalize the difficult feelings. Uh, So that is huge. And I thought of the quote while Alana was sharing, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her real name was grief. Um, That... Wow. You know, sometimes that that anger or those difficult feelings are because things are different. Things have changed. We don't have the same control. Yes. May not feel like we even have agency over our own lives because we have to go to the newborn schedule, the toddler's tantrums or what have you. The half days at school like we had last <laughs> week. I was like, oh, it's noon. Okay, I get to go get them. Um, <laughs> and no days of school this week. <laughs> right. Um, and, you know, because it can be difficult to tease apart those difficult feelings sometimes and the source of them, we recommend an activity called an emotional inventory. We have a free downloadable version of it with instructions on our website. But basically, the whole exercise is to you know, name what you're struggling with and then do a brain dump or a heart dump of every little thing you can think of that's related to that. Any feeling, any secondary loss or experience. And that really helps tease apart what you're feeling as well as validate that. I'm just like, okay, this is more than just becoming a parent. This is the whole laundry list of changes and new things I have to think about, new worries new feelings. I never thought I could feel this much love in addition to this much frustration all at once. Um, So having that tool or getting in that practice of checking in with oneself makes it easier to then tease it apart in future situations. It's, it's like a muscle to build. I love that. Um, I know for me, I I think I did kind of like a combination of things. And still, again, I remember, Alana, you spoke directly to me because I remember going to mom and I'm like, is this normal? Like, am I supposed to like be this angry? Like, I don't even know why I'm so angry at my husband for. 
and it, and it was because I have done a lot of work on myself. I think I was able to recognize that it wasn't like, I'm like, okay, let me, let me take out like, let's look at the real situation here. And it's not because my husband didn't pick that up, right? Like, why am I reactive so angrily at him? And I'm like, okay, well, am I getting sleep? Like how to do an inventory mm -hmm. of like, what are all the things? Um, and then I realized for me, I also get like that when my husband and I aren't connecting, um, I realize a big part because we've been together for so long when we're not on the same page, like I, then that's, I'm even more angry. Cause then to your point, I'm Alana, I'm like, well, I feel like I'm not being a good wife and what is this? And then why isn't he picking up his stack? Like all of these different things. Um, so I kind of had to normalize and say, okay, it's okay to feel this way and not kind of take it personal and say, okay, well, their feelings right now, um, let me embrace them and then have grace for myself. And then came the, okay, well, let's figure out how we can have a date night so we can connect and not date night to leave because we know when you're in the thick of it, it's hard or you might not have people around to watch your children. But when our son falls asleep, you know, we can actually connect find a movie we can watch together, not be on our cell phones as the movie's going on, or just even spend 10, 15 minutes looking at each other like, so what's going on with you? Everything's good. Let's talk as opposed to being, you know, we're fly, you know, two ships in the night type of thing. Um, and that really helped me. Um, I think another, a big thing, um, and I, I'll just stay on this just briefly before we kind of go into like grieving the relation, um, friendships, right? Because I know a lot of you touched on that and that's crazy that a, a friend told you that instead of being like, well, hey, you know, um, you know, but there, I, there's a flip side to that as well um, that I think is pretty, pretty powerful to speak on. But um, I think it's also as new parents are listening to this, or maybe you're still in the in the thick of it. And again, I only have five years. Kim, you're six six and a half years in six. Like I feel like we're still, you know. Um, but I think it's important to know that it's also the different role, how the roles and responsibilities shift, right? And greet of of knowing that things are going to change. And there were things that I think sometimes I wanted to have full control over, and I had to let it go, which is I think another part of the grieving process of understanding that we want to control this and this but we cannot mm -hmm. yeah if there's one thing I can kind of add as well just some of the hardest things also for me that I didn't know would be hard was I thought babies are born and, and nursing just comes easily I had mm. no idea that not every baby will nurse I had no idea that milk supply was a thing I have no idea yes. that not all babies latch. Like these were things I just was like, well, I'm, I'm going to nurse. Like I just, cause I come from a long generation and that's what they did. And, um, yeah. and you know, and my daughter came early and I blamed myself a lot, even though I did everything the doctor said, I was one of those, you know, like, sure. Maybe a little bit extreme, you know, I'm blaming my body and grieving all of that and thinking that I did something wrong. And actually the tool that Kim mentioned was one thing that really helped me pinpoint what was going on and how much I was grieving not being able to nurse and how much I was grieving, like blaming my body for not bringing the baby fully to term, but then realizing it wasn't my fault. You know, I did everything I could. She was just ready to go, you know, and she's a healthy little thing. So I think there's a lot of things like as new parents that like you shared earlier, Nicole, we don't talk about enough. We don't normalize it enough, you know? And, and so like, for me, I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't I breastfeed? You know? And then I had all these other people say, oh no, it's really normal that it's hard. And I said, 
you know, I never heard that before, you know? So just mm-hmm. to be able to know some of these things that are going to happen to know there's going to be emotions. And I'm trained in a lot. I've done a lot of self-development. I've done a lot of grief work, both personally and professionally. But when it came to being a new mom, it was like, all of that went out the window, <laughs> you know? And I'm so grateful I had Kim to kind of, to help remind me, you know, and remind me of our tools to do my own work. But I think it's so important for for new parents to just know that this stuff is not easy. Like it's, there's nothing that's easy at all. And that's part of, part of the ball game. But I think those were the hardest things for me, like blaming myself that she came early, you know, even though I, sure. you know, and so I just really want to, to share that too, because I think it's just so important to not, you know, beat like if I can help anyone beat themselves up less than I beat myself up for something I literally had no control over, you know, I'll yeah. be very grateful that someone can hear that and know, you know, it's not, it's not their fault. You know, it's, it's our bodies. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Kim, um, I want to pass this to you. So Alana mentioned grieving friendships. It's crazy to me because there are some people I've met during now my season of motherhood that I'm close to that maybe I just met recently. And there's this instant connection. I don't know if it's because as mothers that this instant bond um, has has come upon. Um, I'm more softer in my friendships with women that I didn't think. Like I have an overappreciation where before it was kind of like, look, these are my friends and this is it. Now it's like, oh my God, hi, how are you? Like, I am just more mm-hmm. open that way. Um, but I also see, Alana, to your point, there are friends who don't have kids, or maybe they even did, but maybe they're older, whatever the case may be, that season of friendship just is no longer. So, Kim, maybe if you want to speak on that a little bit of basically how to deal with changing friendships, new friends, loss of old friends, and how grief pray, plays a part into those changing dynamics of relationships. Yeah, I, so that can be so common and I've never had a friend be as forthright as Alana had (laughs) of just naming it right there. But I did have some friends who it felt like they were backing away. And these are people who still do not have kids, but it was just harder to get a hold of them. And there were a few times when we did spend time together that I had my son with us and there would be a tantrum or I'd have to stop for nap time or to nurse. And it felt like they were uncomfortable. And then it, we stopped hanging out as frequently. And I don't know if that was just life, you know, life was so busy. We didn't necessarily follow up on that, uh, as Mm -hmm. to why that was happening. Um, but it did make me wonder. And I felt a little hurt feeling that they didn't want to make space for me because it was too much to have to navigate my new life. And, you know, I'm really grateful and have been really blessed to make so many friends in the mom phase. I did prenatal yoga and met some amazing other moms who were also just entering mamahood and we would get the babies together once they were born. Um, And my son still plays and is in school with one of the daughters from, from there. And the mom and I are still really close friends. Um, But even with that particular relationship, 
you know, we were close when the kids were really little. And then when they went to daycare and went to different daycares, it was harder to get friends together, get us all together. Um, and so I had to grieve that relationship temporarily, you know, hoping that we would rekindle it. And thankfully they were in the same kindergarten class, the same first grade now. And it's so sweet that we can be all together again. Um, so, you know, to that point, there can be the relationships that end when you go into motherhood and then also ebb and flow through just life of convenience because sometimes relationships are easier to maintain if they're convenient <laughs> and if kids are in different <laughs> schools or, you know, um, nap schedules don't align. It's, it's hard. It is. I think what I had to come to terms with, um, I think motherhood also made me realize how some friendships were kind of surface level and there were some that I was being more of the friend in mm-hmm. and it wasn't really a two-way street. Um, I kind of have this thing where like I want to help everyone. So I'm the friend that like, oh, talk to me where I don't really have that outlet. I don't ever like to put my problems on anyone or have someone be like, oh, especially if I know that maybe they're going through something a little bit more. So I won't say anything so that they don't feel like really this is what you want to complain about. Um, So I'm one of those people and one of those friends. I kind of take it all in. But there's a, a few throughout the years and especially since more becoming a mom of realizing that not only was I grieving the loss of the friendship, but also the fact of coming to terms of what that relationship really was and having mm-hmm. to set strict boundaries. I was like, wait a minute, I think I always moved my schedule around for when it was convenient for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do it this time because now I do have a child and, you know, I'm just not going to do it. The minute I started not being able to do uh, on their schedule, things kind of fell to the wayside. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also made me realize, um, like I said, kind of who who has been the stronger friend or I guess who just kind of, you know, of, of having the, the stronger friendships with, um, but to your point, really, truly, truly appreciating those that I have come into my life now. And I think now that I am older, you know, I think we used to think, you know, at least for me growing up, it's like, well, if you've known them the longest, they're automatically your best friend, Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. though you grow up and you are going to turn into different people. And now that I'm older to really appreciate what a friendship means and what I want to get from it and then also give. Um, So Alana, if you want to speak on that too, the friend that you said that, you know, told you what she told you and then, you know, kind of ended up where you didn't stay friends, who has then stepped up and who have you, um, leaned on and, and, and grew stronger relationships with or friendships with since having your little one. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that, that former friend who I mentioned, we were also newer friends and, you know, we'd gone Mm. on a couple trips together, but, um, Oh, wow. But I, I think that, um, you know, like Kim said, I think just new moms and like, Kim and I, like over the last few years, you know, she's become one of my closest friends and very lucky to have my business partner, my closest friend and the same person, you know, and so it's really nice there. And I met a lot of, you know, other moms who, you know, I I think I mentioned last week, Tinder for moms, it's called Pina and met moms there and in some mommy groups. And I actually met a mom we were walking our kids on the street and we live around the corner from each other and we started hanging out. And so that's been really nice. You know, it's, it's, 
it was really hard in the beginning, you know, to like cultivate new friendships while I'm sleep deprived and don't actually want to leave the house and like can't remember the last time I washed my hair and, you know, and so that was kind of challenging. But I think it's it's something to be said at this season of life. Some of the people I've met, I wouldn't have met otherwise, you know, because we're brought together by the kiddos and I hope the last, you know, and but just very grateful to have had these opportunities through daycare and through that, you know, tender for moms and through some other mommy groups where I've met people and just really grateful because there's something about how new moms understand each other. Like I had just met this mom and we would go on walking dates and we were supposed to have a, a play date. And I was like, I'm sorry, I, I like can't get my act together. And her response was, <laughs> what's your favorite flavor at Jamba Juice? And I was like, what? She's like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I'm getting Jamba Juice and we're just going to sit and chill. And it just oh. meant so much to me, you know, because she's like, coming over. <laughs> we're going to just sit. I'm going to listen to you. And and it just, yes. you know, and it was a new friend. Like I didn't really. Um, and so just really grateful for that because I do think like both of you have shared, there's a certain thing you know that bonds us especially as like newer parents and I hope yes. that we we never lose that you know as the kids get older because I uh, maybe on tv see all these like competitive you know like monster moms so I I hope we can continue with <laughs> I feel like as young toddler baby moms there's just so much love and support because we're all like this kid's screaming I don't know what they want you know, yes. they, they, they want the grilled cheese, but they don't want the grilled cheese. And, and so just feeling really grateful for that, you know, the newer relationships, the ones that have gotten deeper. Sure. Because it does, you know, we, we need someone to just tell us we're doing okay. And, you know, to show up with Jamba Juice and say, hey, <laughs> you know. I get it. I see mm -hmm. you. I hear you. I yeah. think, and I think that's what's so important about finding a group, a community, a village, peanut, whatever it is, yeah. um, a podcast to listen to conversations, you know, getting a therapist on it, like just something because um, I know for me, again, in this stage of my life, I just want open and authentic connections, open and authentic conversations. I want to be able to be like, look, my house is not clean. And I don't want to have to have the anxiety that when you come in, that you're like, what is going on? It's like, look, you know, I have a five-year-old rambunctious boy um, and this is what it is. There's superheroes everywhere. Everywhere I look, there's a sock. There's just something on the floor and I cannot keep up. And I only have one. Um, so, you know, it's like just something about having those open and authentic relationships, conversations. Um, and that is a beautiful story. And, and we need more of that. Um, and it's so important. And for the listeners out there, you know, to try and find that community and it doesn't always have to look in the form. I think a lot of people get lost in well, my family's not close and I live far away where it's like, you can truly build that community. Like Kim, you said it was prenatal yoga, you know, whether it's kids from, you know, your school, the parents, like there's ways that you can peanut the app to kind of really help build the tribe that you need for you um, and then hope hoping that that grows and sustains for for a longer season there's one thing also like and I don't know maybe this is like like my perception of, of community but I think it's true like every community looks different like I don't yes. have one you know like solid group of like 20 people are all close to each other but I have all my different pockets and I know for me yes. I used to get very caught up in like 
community means it has to be this one big cohesive and that it can very much look like that. I know for me, my community, you know, I'm like, it's like a lot of different people, you know, it's not one cohesive group, which sometimes it's harder because I, you know, getting everyone that I love together in one place isn't always working, but I guess community really just looks different for everyone. And that's okay. You know, I was stuck on that for yes. a little while that my community was like, you know, cause I'm from the East coast and I live in California. So a lot of, you know, my older friends are all back East, but that community looks different. And however, it just, it's okay that it looks different. Yes, that's a really good point. That community can comes in different state shapes, different sizes. I have my networking business owner friends, right? That's I'm sure as two business owners, yes, you're supporting people, but you're still business owners look completely different than my friends that don't own businesses because they have zero idea of what it takes to run a business, right? So those are that. They're my team. Um, I'm going on an impromptu happy hour later on tonight with my um, project manager and my event coordinator for my summit, right? And it's like, yes, I need to vent that. So it just looks like different things to different people. And I'm glad you pointed that out because I think, again, people get stuck in it looking one way and it doesn't have to be. You know, you could have your work friends, your this friend, your different silos, and maybe in some terms they come together and maybe they don't, and that's fine. Um, Kim, I want to, in in discussing still with the support, what about employers supporting their employees with grief? So this is a big one for me um, because I come from the corporate space. I was a VP. And in still relaying the years of working in corporate, and um, again, it wasn't until after having a child of realizing, goodness, I think I worked for like a toxic company and mm -hmm. just the different things. But one of the things of also realizing of still not supporting grief. I mean, I think we only get three bereavement days, like as if, okay, after three days, that's it. So maybe mm -hmm. talk about ways, I guess, how employers, if there is a business owner possibly listening to this um, and is going to be hiring a workforce soon, that they can help their employees in their own grief process. Yeah. So Alana and I talk a lot about this and we could have a whole other series of podcasts on this. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the key that we share is, you know, building one's understanding of what grief is. So, you know, if they listen to our previous podcast or we talk about those definitions of how and how grief can show up, that helps build that empathy to understanding, okay, yes, uh, becoming a parent can be a major grieving experience because there's so much change and sure. stress. Um, and that's that's an important first key step is just understanding and having that that empathy there. And then we have this framework that we share um, where the three main pillars for that are having curiosity, compassion, and then moving to collaboration. And so what that means is if say someone was an amazing worker working late, um, which I mean, we could talk about work culture and whether or not that's healthy, but Yes, they were yes. perceived as this amazing worker. And then postpartum, when they return from maternity leave, they're having to cut out earlier or it's harder for them to engage with projects the same way. The, sure. the employers noticing certain changes or different behaviors, they can get curious about that. So that first part is, is getting curious. 
on their own and thinking about it from an empathetic standpoint, and then also having a compassionate conversation with the individual to share, okay, these are some observations that I've made. These are some thoughts that I'm having about it. You know, maybe they have done their own reflection to see, okay, yes, this person just became a new parent and maybe this is why they're having a difficult time. Open up that conversation with the individual, again, from a place of compassion and listen to better understand the situation and their observations. You know, maybe that person, yes, is struggling becoming a new parent, but they also lost their father the year before and it's bringing up that grief feeling, making that feel even more fresh, not that a year is that long post loss, but it's, it's making it heightened. And so that conversation can really help both parties better understand what each needs to meet the organizational needs, as well as to support the individual. And then they can move into that third phase of collaboration of what support do you need? Do you need to pause your input on a particular project? Is it okay if someone else steps in for that right now while you, you know, work a little more part-time or if you work on projects that don't take as much from you energetically? And I know that might not be feasible in every organization. However, we believe that most organizations can find some way to work with the individual and that that's a good starting point is to, again, get curious, speak compassionately, and then move into collaboration. I love that a a woman who I had interviewed on my, on my podcast, she was a a lawyer. She actually just made partner in Chicago. And I was fascinated that what her law firm does now, mind you, a law firm, right? So that's very high demanding, um, um, position and they have the I think the 30 70 so when you first come back to work it's like you're 30% work 70% home like they have like a staggered maternity leave plan to come back to work um, so that they're not just bombarded with oh here are all of your you know your clients mm-hmm. and have a do it's like I, I think something like this like 30 70 then I think the second phase I guess then would be you know maybe your 60 40 and then, you know, they kind of reevaluate for you to be 70, 30, and then eventually 100, but something like that. And I was just blown away. And I was like, goodness gracious. I'm like, I wish more organizations had this or understood the the impact and the power that that has. Because like you said, it's there's so many things. You don't know what that person is going through. Maybe they are grieving the loss of a parent, even though you're like, well, what, 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 what do you mean? You're, you know, you just became a mom. It should be the happiest time when you have zero idea of what that person is going through what their pregnancy was like, anything like that, or going back to, or if they even had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. um, for employees feeling like they can't even share that with their organization, you know, Um, to come out and say, look, this is what I had and I need this. Um, So I was blown away. um, And I was so happy that we were able to say that on air because I was like, if there's anybody listening, like I, you know, and and to your point, Kim, maybe not all organizations could do something to that level, but you can, where there's a will, there's a way. And it's just always how I've looked at things. And you figure out a way to say, to your point, let's talk, how can we, to where it's a win-win, where I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm not, you know, just losing out on an employee here, but then that you also feel supported and 
you're coming back with not, you know, I know for me coming back to work, um, I never had the space to say, I think I need to take more time off. Like I just kind of went and they didn't know what happened. I didn't even know what I was going through. And it all stemmed back and looking back of me being, I should have been able to say, I need more. I shouldn't have come to work so soon. Um, Alana, do you want to touch on that a little bit of maybe just anything else to add as motherhood when they come back as a, as a new mom or a new parent? Because let's not forget about the dads too. Yes, the dads too. They get they do get forgotten sometimes. Yeah, I, I wanted to say we're I'm not we're not advocating that all managers become grief support specialists. You know, we're not no. saying you have to <laughs> to listen, you know. But there are also, you know, like what Kim said, using that framework, but also there there are little things that are really powerful. Like leaving a post it saying hey, I just wanted to say, you know, we're glad to have you back. Or if you know a big day of a milestone, like if you happen to know the anniversary, set it on your calendar, leave a post-it. It'll take two seconds. Mm -hmm. I mean, even a card, but I just say a post-it because most of us have post-its in our office space. Just saying, Mm -hmm. thinking of you, little things like that can go, or even an email can go so far because when a person, when an employee feels valued, they will be loyal. They will work hard. When an employee just feels like another cog in a wheel, there's no real reason to stay there. And so, of course, you know, some recommendations we have are not always feasible. Sometimes it's not feasible for flexible hours or for work from home. Some jobs you have to be there. But if there's any way to divvy up the work or just meet with the person again with the curiosity like Kim shared and say, you know, how can we work on this together? How can I support you? Do you want me to check in more? Do you want me to check in less? Because some people would be really helpful to, I mean, not micromanaging, but to check in to make sure things don't fall through the cracks for a while. And so to really have a plan to help this person get through a difficult season, because then you know what? It's win-win for everyone. It's win-win for the employee. And it's win-win for the employer, because if this is one of your star employees, this is how you keep your employee. This is how you keep and help your employee go back to being the rock star that they are. So it's retention because you know how hard it is to hire and train. And so it's win-win. Of course, you know, I care more about the emotional aspect of it, but there is the corporate bottom line and the importance fiscally. And so it's win-win for everyone, person who feels valued and for employers to know where to send people for support. Because yes, there yes. are EAP programs. Most people don't even know what is included in their benefits. Many EAP programs do not include grief support. So for employers to say, hey, you know, like to send people, send them to people like Kim and I, to other group people who are trained specifically in grief and say, you know, this is outside of our purview, but here is a list of vendors of people that can help you. And that just is, is so powerful because I'll tell you personally, when I was in the corporate world and my grandmother died, my employer at the time, <laughs> I, it's it's horrible. I, she, my employer was just, she's like, well, why are you still behind on things? And I'm like, I literally just landed yesterday from flying out for my grandmother's funeral. And she's like, well, why are you so behind? And I was like, I'm catching up on email. She's like, oh God, I totally forgot that your grandma died. <laughs> there was no like, I'm sorry, can I help you? And okay, that's a job I left sh- soon after. Um, 
whole other reasons. But what I'm saying is a little bit of compassion, sure. a little bit of caring goes a really, really long way. And and people sometimes like to have that corporate like separation, but we're human. <laughs> like we, yes. we we we're human. And so that's that's one of the biggest things is the little things. Think Jamba Juice, <laughs> think post-it notes. And employers that can cost do that. zero dollars. But yes. it supposed to cost zero dollars. So go to your point, even I, that's why I never understood. And again, I was VP when they would say dollars and I'm like, hold on, it takes zero dollars to be nice, to be compassionate, to write and to think and to not make your employees feel like they're a number because truthfully, I'm sure Alana, that that made you feel like really like you, like I work with you and you didn't even realize. Now, granted, she could have had her own thing going on, but that goes to show like, okay, now I feel like I'm just like another nugget on the wheel who's working here as opposed to hello I'm Alana I'm a human person and this is kind of what's going on um but that's a whole nother like you said Kim that we can talk about of like the issues in corporate and how managers I feel aren't trained properly in emotional intelligence and how to deal because like you said Alana it's a lot of like business and personal and look I agree I think business is business however we don't have to be best friends but I can look at you as a human being and say hey what's going on let's talk that doesn't mean we're going to go to the bar after. That doesn't mean you're going to come to my house and have dinner, but I can still look at you as a human being and say, what's going on? Okay, cool. You know, let's, let's talk here. So I never still understood that, but, and you can see, like, I get riled up because I just feel I'm such a big employee advocate. Um, and um, yeah, you know, so anyway, I know we're winding down here. Kim, is there anything else you wanted to add? And then we'll get into final thoughts and then get ready for part three. One quick thought is, you know, just to expand on how impactful those small gestures can be in addition, and even just acknowledging verbally, you know, wow, that sounds really difficult. People start to heal the moment they feel heard. And just knowing that they can, without even having to go into detail, just express that the time is difficult, that can take a weight off and help them be more free to feel themselves and to engage. Not that that's a cure-all, but it does more than people would imagine. So powerful and so, so true. And I think, listen, for anyone listening, this is not just for the corporate world. I think this is for the world in general. I think if anything, the past two conversations is you never know what someone's going through. Um, and to just be kind and compassionate and kind of pause before reacting. So are there any final thoughts as we close up here for part two and then we dive into their next conversation part three which will be children and grief and talk to our children about grief which is a big one that I am um, I mean I've excited been excited for both of these episodes but even for part three Um, so any other final thoughts before we wrap up here it doesn't take a lot of energy and or money to be kind now to just come from a place of compassion and love we like to say picture a heart with ears and come from that place, both professionally and personally, it doesn't cost more money. And the ripple effect from it, you know, is just so beautiful and positive. But that also goes the opposite direction. Negative interactions also have a profound ripple effect. So you never know a little smile, a little posted, a little you saying, "I, I hear you, that sounds hard. I don't know what to say, but that sounds really hard. I see you. You have no idea the positive ripple. And to that point of what Alana just said of, I don't know what to say, that's, you know, it's okay to be imperfect in how we show up to support somebody. 
we don't have to know what to say. It's acknowledging that someone's struggling and being willing to, to just make that statement and to open that space. Again, we don't have to be that expert. We don't have to have managers become grief recovery specialists. (laughs) It's, it's just being human and letting that acknowledgement be there. Awesome. Thank you ladies so much. Continued blessings to you both for love and light. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you you for having us. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.